0: Welcome to the Renovate Podcast. My name is Ben Fuqua. I'm one of the young adult pastors here at Christ Chapel. And this week at Renovate, we're stepping into week two of our Elusive Relationship Series, where we're really talking about how to evaluate. Who do we date? Uh, Maybe we're already dating, maybe we're married, but how we see each other through the lens of the gospel. Enjoy. Praise God. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Um, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to get to be with you guys. I'm excited to get to worship with you. I'm excited to get to unpack some some stuff for us. Uh, Like like I talked about last week, if you weren't here last week, we started a new series. Um, We're talking about uh, this. I I keep kind of lovingly calling it the elusive relationship. And what I mean by that is, man, how do we do this thing called relationships, right? How do we do this relationship thing? How do we do this dating thing? How do we do this marriage thing? How do we do this singleness thing? Um, And and spoiler alert, we we know here connected to this ministry, um, you're going to hear that so much of that, not so much of that, all of that, is, is tied to this relationship we have with Jesus. And so, um, and so we're now stepping in kind of to week two. Last week, we talked about big picture kind of purposes of marriage, the God-given purposes of marriage, but then also inversely, what the purposes of singleness are and, and how God uses both of those seasons in, in huge ways. Um, tonight, uh, I, I wanna jump into a kind of a different topic. Before I do, I, uh, I wanna give a couple of caveats. One is that um, we're gonna be talking in... Around in and around this series for five more weeks. This week and then four other weeks after this, and uh, and it's not going to be all encompassing, right? It's not going to be all encompassing every nuance. But what we want to do well, and really our heart behind even stepping into a topic like this, is man, we want to we want to pastor well, and we want to we want to love you guys well and we want to meet you where you're at and maybe some things you're struggling with but the reality is we have 300 people who have different baggage different perspectives different places in their life uh, different experiences that they're all bringing into this and so as we address the idea of dating and relationships and marriage and all this th- stuff we want to hear from you um, I'm pretty mapped out where I'm going to go the next couple of weeks right the next two the next two weeks after this but we've really left a lot of room uh, to hear from you and so I'm going to throw a phone number up and when I say I Jeffrey thank you Jeffrey good man Jeffrey put a number up here, and this is Jeffrey's number. If you get lonely at any point during this, no, just kidding. You just text Jeffrey, and he'll come over and cuddle with you. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. That is not Jeffrey's number, and Jeffrey doesn't like to cuddle. I found that out. So the number is 682-200-0012. So that is one, two. I said it out loud because some people listen to this recording because they're too lazy to come. Yep, that's right. They're too lazy to be here and they're listening right now. And so I had to spell it out for you because you can't read the screen because you're not here. You're in your car right now. Anyway, here's what we're going to do. We want to hear from you. And by the way, man, I got a lot of, we got great texts. I got a lot of great emails. I got a ton of great emails, great questions. There is a really good chance I will not email you back. But that is not because I don't love you. That's not because I didn't get it. Um, it's honestly because, man, I got some emails this past week that were super thoughtful. And so a part of it is we're gonna cover some of Some of that input is gonna help dictate, man, where do, where do we need to go as a ministry through some of this, this season and some of this little window that we're talking about it? Where, where do we need to go? So keep that feedback coming, but I might not immediately reply back because I wanna be real thoughtful in how I reply and I don't wanna just be like, hey, thanks for the email. And it was like, you're pouring out your heart with all these doubts you have about the existence of God. And I'm like, sweet bro. Emoji, smiley face. <clears throat> um, we'll get there and I will get, I will get to you um, eventually. We're just kind of right now just trying to intake as much as we can and see where God leads this thing. So that's a little caveat number one, just a heads up on that. Uh, and then also just two, just so you hear this, you know, we got some great feedback too. People saying like, man, I don't know that I'm super excited about dating right now. I'm in a season where I'm not like, this isn't like a super big felt need. Is that weird that like, I'm not you know, really eager right now. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, and so wherever you're at, man, we're trying to make sure that we are going to truth. Uh, and by truth, we mean the word of God and really unpacking this and looking at Jesus. And honestly, man, spoiler alert, every week, man, this thing's going to be about Jesus because everything is about Jesus. And, uh, and we want our hearts to fall more in love with him. And so if we're going to start falling in love with him, looking through the, through the angle of relationships, praise God. Uh, to him be the glory, but that's kind of where we're going, okay? So tonight, tonight where specifically we are going is we're going to talk about the idea of who to date. Who to date, uh, what, what should I be looking for, what makes a good prospect, right? And, and I don't just mean um, for somebody who's out there on the market looking, I mean even in the context of you're in a current relationship, man, and how we're evaluating each other. Um, you're married, what that looks like, what it looks like to continue to see the other person the way you're supposed to and how you, how you walk through that marriage together. And so it's gonna be a lot about evaluation and, and how to see people properly. Um, I, I wanna review that we've talked about uh, last week, and we're gonna continue to talk about this, that, that dating um, dating is not a status that we, that we step into, it is a process. And it is a process that we believe as as. Christians that, man, this is God's design for dating is only towards marriage. And so we don't just say, man, dating is just this fun sport that we do. We say, man, dating has a purpose and it has an end goal. And so that's kind of an overarching principle that we're going we're gonna to step into it with that assumption uh, over this whole series. And so, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about who or how do I know or how do I evaluate the other person. But ultimately, whether you are single, whether you are dating currently, whether you're engaged, whether you're married in this room... Um, we're going we're gonna to ask the question of how, how should I see other people? How do I see other people? And how should I see other people? And how is that going to affect my own worship uh, of Jesus? Um, and whenever I talk about this idea of evaluating and dating, as a, as a pastor and a communicator, I find this is a great opportunity to talk about the first time I kissed my wife. <laughs> yeah, no, you are now, but you wait. I like to tell this story because it's super embarrassing. You, you, my friends in this room who know me for like over a year, I pretty much find an excuse to tell the story once a year. I feel like it's like a once a year. It's been like about 11 to 12 months. So there we were. Me and Danielle Archibald, right? We've been dating for a long period of time and we're in that kind of, and by long period of time, I mean like maybe six months or something before the kiss happened. And, uh, the infamous kiss and, and so we were like in the evaluation phase we're trying to figure out okay who is this girl and man is this the you know and, and yada yada we'll fast forward through a lot of six months of you know just walking through this relationship but there I was the lighting was right we were in we were in College Station Texas nope nope no no you get your cultish ways out of here there is no place for that here any Criswell College grads? Okay cool one time there was one person in here who went to Criswell. the one time that's that's all i got okay so so there i was right <clears throat> the moment was right i had salt wise count i, I had done everything right I, I blew a lot of things that's okay I, I didn't do everything right but there i was leaned in for our first kiss she burped in my mouth no joke she burped in my mouth it was, I mean, the lighting was perfect. There was like birds that were singing songs. Um, it was like that scene from The Little Mermaid, you know, with the fish. Do you remember that? And they're like doing a whole thing. And then it was that. She straight up burped in my mouth, man. And that's when I knew. This is the one. This is the one. First kiss, burp in the mouth, man. You know, you've got it. What more can you ask for? Um, I tell that story because I love to tell that story. I don't even know what has to do with anything. Um, no, I, uh, I, I want us to talk about evaluation, right? I want us to talk about evaluation, the different standards. For me, that was my love language, so it worked for me. But we're all going to have different love languages, different lenses in which we see relationships, different lenses in which we see each other. Uh, and as we evaluate, man, what does that look like? What is the standard that God has? Uh, and how do we do this right? How do we choose wisely and do this right and, um, and, and how do we know if this is the right person and all that kind of stuff? Um, so he, here we go. Verse uh, Proverbs 21.9 says this. Let me read it for you. And a pastor just recently, I was reading something or listening to something, uh, unpacked kind of a perspective on this that I had just missed, um, had been oblivious to and it's pretty obvious but uh, it's this. It's Proverbs 21.9 says this. It's One quick proverb, it says, it is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. And one of the interesting things about that um, that somebody's pointed out to me is that isn't a verse written to a married man, right? Proverbs is written to young, young adults, right? And so that's specifically written to a young man, not as an evaluation of, hey man, if you've got a wife who is quarrelsome, you should move onto the roof. It's written, at, it's written as a grid in which to evaluate Right? It's written as wisdom to say, hey, as you're moving through life, as you're moving through you know, finding a wife, young man, um, evaluate. Because, man, if you get this, it's going to equal, it'd be better to do this. And so all throughout, honestly, 31 Proverbs, but all throughout Scripture, we see God setting a standard. God setting, man, this is, this is the narrative that I'm telling throughout history. But this is who I am and what I am called my people, how I've called my people, to follow me and walk and what I've called them to look like, um, and so this idea of evaluation shouldn't be lost on us. Um, evaluation, uh, oftentimes though, when we talk about relationships, it turns into the checklist, right? Evaluation turns into the checklist, and um, I want to I want to tease this a little bit, um, and I don't want to be too harsh on it because I think the reality is there there are going to be some things that as as i even go through the rest of the sermon where it's like man there's a there's a list man there's like a checklist of some things but but here's what i want to push push against i think it's a i think it's a trap i think it's um i think it's not i think it's a lie to create an expectation for ourselves and our culture I, I googled this and i found a ton a ton of articles of the world saying this is what you need to create to be able to evaluate properly and it was, you know, these, these diagnostic questions that are going to produce a checklist in your life. And if you girls have one or you guys have one, I'm not totally throwing you under the bus. I think there can be some wisdom to that, but I also think they can be really dangerous. Listen to this checklist uh, from somebody that I got online. This is what they said. This was their checklist. This was, hey, he's got to meet these requirements. And as she checks these boxes, as she meets the guy who checks all these boxes, then she'll know, hey, he met them all. Thinks I'm beautiful. That's great. Honestly, that's great. I like that. She put two exclamation points behind that one. <clears throat> Thinks I'm beautiful. Here we go. Considerate, sensitive, intelligent, humble, great, innocent sense of humor, multilingual, faculty, uh, facility to pick up new languages, kind, romantic, loving, ever faithful, loves to travel, generous, patient, artistic, calm, even-tempered, compassionate, musically inclined, adventurous, ambitious, loves children, family-oriented, enjoys all, underline all, food, (laughs) educated, polite, cultured, healthy, physically fit, fun slash fun-loving, makes me laugh, ooh, wait, makes me laugh from the gut, a specific biological place (laughs) where she needs the laughter to come from, Positive slash happy, passionate, amazing lover, likes animals, especially cats. Some of you guys were like, this is me, this is me, this, ah, oh, I hate cats. <laughs> oh, oh man. I hate cats. And don't we all? Mm. Okay. <laughs> now that I've just alienated half my crowd. <clears throat> Checklists. Checklists can be such a lot. I I would encourage you, um, man, don't, right? I would encourage you, man, flee from creating this worldly checklist, and we do it, man. I, I, we we create, and whether we do it consciously or subconsciously, when we think evaluation. Okay, am I evaluating the most important relationship in my life? We look through this lens of all of these things, and maybe we rank them, and maybe some of them are kind of tier one priorities and tier. And we're gonna talk about some of that, but I really wanna push back against this idea that man, we've just got this checklist that just looks like the world's checklist. And so, yes, there is measures that we've got to evaluate through, um, especially in, in the most important relationship um, that, that some people are gonna be in. But we've got to evaluate through the lens of the gospel and what Christ says. So at its core, I reject this because it, it's consumeristic, right? It's a consumeristic process to be able to say, man, these are all things that I need for me. These are all things that I want in this person for me to, to help me. These are all this. It's a, it's, it is definitionally consumeristic. Um, is this person right for me? I'm the consumer. They're the product. We do it all the time in dating. We do it all the time when we're evaluating other people. Man, is this person right for me? I'm the consumer, they're the product, and we, and we begin to objectify in ways, and we begin to kind of dehumanize people, and we begin to start categorizing them in that way. It is not God's inherent design in relationships. That's not his design for how he's called us to enter into and, and maintain relationships. Dating is not about you. We're gonna say that a lot. Dating is not about you. It's not about making you feel uh, specifically, specifically love, right? This romantic, Christ-centered, biblical definition of love of man, am I going to find someone that I can love? This process of if dating is about marriage and then, okay, well then, and we make it about ourselves and we make it consumeristic. And that love that God has designed and built in the context of marriage and dating to lead towards that is not about you. What do I mean by that? Um, I, uh, are we toss you my keys there, Josh. <clears throat> so I, I don't actually know why I'm using this illustration because you can't see these keys in the back, but you get the idea of a key, right? You understand the concept of a key, right? Even Aggies in this room get this idea, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. God, you're so sensitive. <laughs> you get the idea, right? You've got, you've got these little divots in, the, in a key, right? You've got all these little divots and each key theoretically is unique uh, and a different shape. And that key is then designed, this key goes to my office door, right? And so the lock on my office matches this, right? The divots that are in this key, the gaps that are in this key fit inside the pins inside the lock in my door. Therefore, this key fits inside my door. And what we do is we consumeristically... When I say relationships are not, when I say love and, and marriage and this, this idea and this conversation we're having is not about you. What I mean is so often it feels like we're looking for the other person that's going to fit all of our, they're going to be all of the pins that fit exactly who we are so that we might be completed. Because somewhere along the way, whether it's Jerry Maguire or Hollywood or our own inherent sin or just natural causes around us, we bought into this lie that we are incomplete. We are incomplete and we need, we need this woman or this man to be able to come and they need to be able to complete us and we cannot be fully filled. When, when Christ says, I came to give life and life abundantly, When he talks about life abundantly, somewhere along the way, we bought into the idea that life abundantly can't exist for single people. That life abundantly has to come alongside with this idea of, well, I need this other person that only exists once I'm married, once I have kids, once I have the job. And we start adding all these caveats to it. As if the power and tangibility of a relationship with Jesus is incomplete in those ways. And that's huge for us. And so we, are, we, we sometimes fall into this lie and this illusion that <clears throat> we're a key that's looking for just the perfect lock and the perfect person that can fill those spots in us. And I think that's a trap, guys. I think that's a trap, and I think that's a dangerous way in which we either consciously or subconsciously evaluate other people, subconsciously or consciously date, pursue, Enter into and see other people. It shapes how we see other people. I would say it is one of the number one flaws. We are are evaluating from an emptiness as opposed to an overflow, right? We are evaluating from that, right? Oftentimes, let me say it again. Oftentimes, we're evaluating from a place of emptiness in us, in some gaps that we have, rather than a place that is already fulfilled. Let me unpack that. 1 John 4, chapter 7. This is probably going to be the text I spend the most time in, and it's a text that we're not even going to be able to fully unpack because there's just so much good stuff here. But I want you to remember this. I want you to write it down. I want you to tag it in your Bible. If if this is you, I want you to spend some time uh, in 1 John 4 this next week uh, and spend some time meditating on this. And spend some time looking and staring at Man, what is the love that God has designed, and how has he designed that love? Because here what we're saying is it's not about you. It's not about you, and it's not about completing you, this lie that this other person completes you. Chapter 4 in 1 John, verse 7. John says this. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love... Listen to this, verse eight. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, right? The payment, right? The covering, the payment of our sins. And then he, he ends, verse 11, beloved, beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The, the place in which our love comes from, right? If, if God is setting the standard, right, which we believe, we espouse, we stand on that, that, God, that we're gonna do relationships. When we talk about him in this ministry, we're gonna talk about it in the context of, man, how does God design this to work? And if we're gonna say that, he's gonna set the standard for us of what love looks like and where it comes from and how we fit to that. And the way that God loves us is not from a place of incompleteness and emptiness. It is a place of fulfilledness. And how he calls us to love is from that same place. How we love God. Man, there's so much good stuff here. How we are loved. How we are loved. And because for those who are in Christ, who are walking with God, who are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, well, then that then gives us the freedom to love other people. Not a place that we're searching to, to fit and find love as this elusive thing that we need to take and use to complete. But instead, it would appear through 1 John 4 that, man, love is already available to us for those who are his. That that love is fully there available, and it is from that place. It is from that place of overflow, that place of satisfaction, that place of found, that foundation, that then we love other people. That's huge. That's huge for us to understand. It's huge for us to wrestle with, think about, and and asking the Lord too, how am I doing that? How am I seeing other people as a means to fill me? Or am I in a place where I can love the Lord, lean in, knowing that God has designed us to be in relationships, knowing that there's relational needs and desires that we have and walking through those in a godly way, but, but not in a place to say, man, I I am so insufficient, and I need this person to fix me. It is a dangerous trap, and it's a trap that's not sustainable. Not sustainable for you, not sustainable for that person. It is, um, at its root, idolatry. Because we're taking a, a seat in our heart, of the throne of our heart, if you want to get super cheesy about it, and we're saying, man, I, I need something else to fill that. I need something else to fill that. That's definitionally idolatry. I'm worshiping something else other than, than who God is and God being enough. And, and that, is, that is hard to walk out. That is really, really, really hard to walk out. And different people in this room are going to struggle in different ways with that and have different experiences, different baggage attached to that. It's not something we're going to solve tonight, but it's something we're going to ongoingly talk about really forever, but specifically in this series, we're gonna to continue to zoom in on different aspects of that so that we might see more and more growth and healing in who we are, so that we might be able to love others. Um, are you evaluating from that place of wholeness? Are you trying to move in that direction? Do you have a mindset and a perspective that says, this is the place in which I should be evaluating? Not evaluating to find who fits me, but instead evaluating from a place of, I, I believe what scripture says about me. I believe what, what 2 Corinthians says about me as a new creation. I believe what 1 Peter says about me as a, as a royal priest. I believe what Ephesians says about me that I am a co-heir with Christ. And so for people who have said, yes, I surrender to Christ with my life. And people who have said, yes, I, I am going to follow Jesus and, and who are believers and have the Holy Spirit, then, then we change our mindset. We change the lens in which we see other people and the lens in which we date. This is huge. Um, I think it's easy to hear this too and just nod our head. Right? It's easy to hear this and nod our head and it is hard to do in every season uh, of life. Here are some traps that we run into with this, I think, foundational truth. The foundational truth of if we're gonna build, a, if we're gonna build a lens in which we evaluate other people, foundationally it has to be we are secure in who we are as believers. We are not searching out of our insecurity. And here's here's the first trap. If you're single, if you're single and you hear this, or in seasons of singleness and you hear this idea, right? And a lot of us, have, this isn't necessarily a new concept. Um, maybe we're still, I am still building muscle to trust the Lord more than I trust the things of the world, or more than I trust other people. Or uh, we all struggle with idolatry. But let's say you're in a season of singleness and you've heard this, but one of the traps that I've seen uh, happen in my own life and other people's lives is, is we think, okay, okay, I need to pass the test. This is a test. Singleness is a cruel test from God that I need to get to a place where I can say, okay, God, Jesus is better. I sang it, I believed it, I'm, I'm open-handed. And so now that I'm open-handed, God will give me this reward of the boyfriend or the girlfriend that I desire, and that is a okay desire, and that is a good desire, and that is a God-given desire. But how we become idolatrous about that is where we go wrong. And so we say, okay, I'm gonna be open-handed. I'm gonna be open-handed, God, your timing, I let go, I'm just gonna love you, and if I love you in this season, and if I, you know, make it through all six painful weeks on relationships that renovate, you know, and I'm just really, and I sing really loud at the end, then, then God, you'll give me what I want. I'm proving, I'm passing your test. And I see that all the time with, with brothers of mine and sisters of mine who, who, who I, think, I think they know this. I think they know this, but we forget this, that God is not withholding from you. God is not withholding from you as a, as a mean judge or test taker, test giver. It's not, that's not inherently within the character of our God. Um, that he just says, oh man, let's see if they can pass this. T-. Our God is this gracious God who gives good gifts. And so I, I, wanna, I wanna say that just to make you aware that there's a trap here in hearing this and thinking, okay, fine, I gotta love Jesus more than I love the guy or the girl and I, I won't be idolatrous this time around. And in doing that, you're gonna give me what I want, right? And that is a trap. And I think something that's hard to hear but don't take it up with me, take it up with Paul, take it up with the gospel of John, First John here. Take it up with the Bible is this idea that the, the chase towards that surrender, right? That, that process of finding your fulfillment in Christ, that process of saying, man, Jesus really is going to be more to me. I wanna find my satisfaction. That pursuit of being satisfied with Jesus as churchy as that concept is, the tangible pursuit in your life of tangibly finding your satisfaction in Christ, man, that is a reward, right? That is a treasure. That is not a test so that then you would get this thing. And man, can we shift our minds towards that? And that is so easy to preach from a stage and say it. you, and I realize to some of you hearing that, that is such a weighty, seemingly daunting hurdle, to say, man, how am I ever going to get there? Or I'm there for a second and then it comes back and I see everyone around me and I get on social media and I want this and it's not happening. And so, man, there's a trap there for my single brothers and sisters in this room. And we're gonna talk a lot, we're gonna talk in this series a little bit more tonight, but a lot more in the series about man, how, how does this sufficiency with Christ, how does it stand a chance at being tangible enough to overcome this God wired relationship between a man and a woman? How does that become more tangible? How can I love Christ in that kind of way? And so, man, my encouragement for you is that you would continue to lean in. My encouragement is that you would stop looking for a formula for that. And day by day or, or moment by moment or whatever that looks like, that if, if that is you, if I am speaking to you, then you would lean in and say, okay, I'm going to pursue that satisfaction as my reward. Paul, man, to live is Christ, he said. And that was his reward. He ran this race as this single man and said, Man, this is my reward and I'm going to run it for the glory of God. It's easy to hear. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to really be able to do anything with that. Trap for dating. So, hearing, foundation of our evaluation needs to be do we love Jesus most? there's a trap for singles. There's a trap for dating in hearing that too. So if, you're, if you are um, dating or you're kind of in that world, and one of the traps of, of how I feel like this gets misapplied is we go through life and we just can't find it, right? We just can't find the right person because this trap is, well, I'm looking for this person to complete me. And so we either just can never find it or, um, or what, what might happen uh, is we go from relationship to relationship. But those relationships don't last and they don't work. And, and they, they can't sustain the weight and the place that we've put them uh, in, in each other's lives. And so it becomes this cyclical thing of, man, this relationship was that, but then all of a sudden it lost it, right? We, and the term oftentimes is fell out of love, or what, but the reality is, no, we built these false expectations of what this was going to do and how this person was going to complete me and how I was going to complete, and, and all of a sudden it, that wasn't God's design for this. And so it got launched in maybe an unhealthy way or it took a turn and it developed in this way and so it becomes this cyclical thing of bouncing from relationship to relationship. Are, are, there, um, are there places where that might be you and your story where you see, man, I, I go from relationship to relationship looking for that and then tonight we hear, okay, it seems like the Lord is already laying a foundation of love. He's already laying a foundation that says that he is enough, um, so one question is, are there any evaluation tools other than just love Jesus? Yes, absolutely. Give me a second. Let me talk to the married people. Trap for married people in, in the same thing. Last little trap I'm gonna give. Uh, and then we'll land on, okay, what are those evaluation tools? Trap for married people is oftentimes this. <clears throat> I'm married. I made it, right? I'm, I'm through the woods on the whole evaluating thing. And now I'm married. And what often happens, I wouldn't even say often. I would say always. Always. Right, I would say even the greatest marriages, you're going to experience some sort of disillusionment. You're going to experience some sort of unmet expectations after you've crossed over into the married life. And one of the traps can become, well, man, now what? We're not clicking well. And one of the really dangerous things here can be this idea of Jesus not being foundational, Jesus' fulfillment and his satisfaction not being foundational. And because of that, on the other side of marriage, as great as dating was, and we made it through all those, and we had all the right chemistry and the right character and all that kind of thing, and then we made it, but, but it was built without that foundation. And it was just walls on sand. And man, that's so, that's so hard. And honestly, um, man, honestly it takes, it takes one, only one person to fall into that trap in a relationship. Right? Like you might be going great, and that's, that's why evaluation and dating is so valuable and important. And that's why I almost started an arranged marriage ministry. And then I was like, no, dating is actually from the Lord. Like, this is good. This is an okay thing. And so I pulled the plug on it. <clears throat> that, that's hard, right? And, it, and, I, and I, I mean that really, um, that's heavy because it just takes one person. And so, um, man, that idea of getting in a marriage with somebody who, man, they seem to check the, the good Christian boxes, But then we got in there and that foundation of their satisfaction and completion, being in who they are in Christ, believing Christ's promises about them, their satisfaction coming from that place and our relationship being from that satisfaction and that overflow, I realized wasn't there, right? And then that becomes this really dangerous thing because you've got one person that has, has married somebody who isn't ever going to be able to fit that. And, and that, that stress on trying to say, how can I be this person's God and we can't? And so, man, I got, I got friends who have gone through that and, and how hard that is and the importance of evaluation on the front end. And then even for my friends in here who are married, who are hitting walls of like, man, there's some disillusionment here and there's some unmet expectations, you run back to this is my foundation. You run back to the belief that, of course, there's unmet expectations because you didn't marry Jesus Christ. You married a fallen person. You married an imperfect person. And so from a married friends, you remember that and you hold on to that and you run back to that and you say, okay, this is our foundation. Now let's work on this and let's work on this wall and this is really falling apart, but our foundation is that you are not here to fulfill and complete me and I am not here to fill and complete you. Okay, so what are the areas of evaluation, right? If, if it's all, it's, it's, it can't just all be, let's just love Jesus more. Foundationally, if you don't have that, you don't have a foundation. But what are the walls to build on top of that? What are, what are the walls of ways that you can help evaluate and, and see properly biblically? Two things. Most pastors and people, they might say three. I'm going to go with two. Um, again, we'll zoom in more of this in, in weeks five and six. Um, but here they are quickly they are character and they are chemistry. I'm going to talk about character first. I'm going to talk about character first because it's more important. Um, Galatians. Galatians 5, verse 16. Paul is writing to these people he loves and this is what he says. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. And now watch what he does, because what he's going to do is he's going to describe what someone who has the fruit of the Spirit or not the fruit of the Spirit in their life looks like. And so when I say character, when I say character, and as we we talk about evaluating, there are numerous, numerous passages. We could just, just, just Unload to say, man, it looks like this, it looks like this, and there's so many different things. I felt like this might be a passage to say, man, are they filled with the Holy Spirit? Because if they are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's gonna look one way. And if they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, it's gonna look another way. And look, look what Paul says. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Praise God for that. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me talk real quickly on that one. What did he say right before that? He said, he said in verse 18, but if you were led by the Spirit, you were not under the law. Praise God for that. So all of this track record, right? All of this list of all these things, right? All of these things. He's like, man, if these are of you, you are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And it's this beautiful thing because in 1 Corinthians, he talks about, and such were us. We were all of these things. We did all of this stuff, and yet such were some of us, but we were washed and cleansed by the blood of Christ. And so there's this beautiful transaction that we have, that we've walked into, if you're in Christ. But if we're not, then you're going to see some of these things. And not all of these. This isn't a checklist to be like, oh, well, they didn't do this. And, well, there's not that. But we we see fruit, right? You'll know you're my disciples by your fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. In this series, we'll talk more about character. We'll talk more about different, different nuances and, and kind of zoom in on some, some, some more of that list. But here's what I want you to hear just from tonight's talk. Are they a person of character? And by that, we mean, is their character shaped by Jesus? Is their character shaped by loving Jesus? And and in being filled with the Holy Spirit, man, do they love Jesus in a way where you see character in their life that is fruit from that? But where are their roots plugged into? Because you will see the fruit in their life and you will be able to identify okay, wait a second man, I see a lot of these patterns. Or I see a lot of these patterns and that could be dangerous. And so one of the ways we evaluate is we say, man, are they, if Jesus being the foundation is huge, man, are there roots in that foundation? And the Bible tells us, man, if their roots are in that foundation, well, then there's gonna be some fruit and everybody's, everybody's going to produce that godly fruit in different ways, in different seasons, in different paces. And man, some people are slower, but man, is there, I would always, is there that trajectory of holiness in their life? We are called to be holy is there that trajectory of holiness in their life? Look at their life. And we can, we can keep texting in questions and nuances and we'll do a Q&A panel and we can talk more on little rabbit trails about that. But man, is there life? Is there holiness in their life? And pursue that. You are called to pursue that. It is your benefit to pursue that because Jesus is the point of this. And for you to pursue somebody who Jesus is also the, the point of their life and walk. Is there holiness in their life? And let me, let me correct real quick. If you start to think holiness means legalism, if you start to think the pursuit of holiness means the pursuit of, okay, I'm very legalistic in doing all the right Christian things, because that's not holiness, that's self-righteousness if it comes from that posture, right? And self-righteousness is not a fruit of the Spirit, right? But instead, holiness is, which someone who's pursuing holiness is pursuing it from a posture that says, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I have the grace of God. I am loved. I am loved by the God of the universe because of his grace, not my works. And in response to that, I'm gonna live a life of obedience, radical, radical obedience, pursuing holiness because he is worth it. He deserves it. I'm designed for it. I'm most satisfied when I'm pursuing holiness towards pleasing my God because that's what satisfies me. And it's this beautiful thing. So when you hear holiness, don't think checklist of righteousness, of self-righteousness. Think someone who is saved by the grace of God and they're responding to it with their life. Man, women, chase after that. Look for that, pray for that. Men, chase after that, look for that. Value that over the things of the world that the world would tell you to evaluate through. Value those things. There's so much more we can say about character, but I just want you to hear, man, those are the walls of this thing, man. If the foundation is Jesus, then the walls are character. And then I'd say chemistry is probably the roof. I, uh, I there's different pastors that are going to say different things and emphasize it in different ways. I think chemistry is important. I don't want to skip over it. Um, but but it's also hard for me to back that up really biblically. And so I'm just going to be real honest with you. I think there's a lot of wisdom there. And we're going to talk more in week five specifically, or excuse me, week six, about some of that um, and about, man, give me more nuts and bolts on chemistry. Uh, ch- chemistry is important in the sense of, man, uh, there is a level of attraction there. We, we see that a little bit in scripture. But and I think there's wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom on, man, what do they believe about God? What is their theology? How are they socially? What are, they, are, they, are they have a job that is unsustainable with, with what I feel like God has called me to in my life? Uh, you've gotta look at those things, right? You've gotta look at those things. I don't wanna get in the weeds on the, honestly. I just, in this sermon, I don't wanna get in the weeds on, on chemistry. I want you to know that, yeah, that's a thing, but I want you to pursue godly character. My card's on the table, Guys, I want you to pursue godly character and I want your attraction, I think your attraction should be more shaped by godly character in some incredible ways. And I'm not totally dismissing chemistry and all that stuff. I think some of that's a trap. I think we turn that into idols. I think we inverse everything and at times we can make that the most important thing. Pursue godly character. Um, We can definitely talk more about that but here's what I wanna end with pursuing godly character. <clears throat> if that is—if if we say, okay, foundationally, I need, I need Jesus to satisfy me. Uh, that, is a, that is a lifelong work to do that. That's not a sermon I hear and be like, okay, cool, I'm going to be satisfied in Jesus more. Um, I, that is a lifelong work that everyone will constantly be working at. Um, and then we say, okay, how do, how do we pursue that character? Um, I want to talk to real quickly that the guy or the girl who is still waiting for that, who the idea of evaluation is painful to hear because you're not getting the opportunity to evaluate someone. Because you're not getting the opportunity to evaluate and you were saying, I am pursuing godly character and yet I'm not getting an opportunity to do that. Maybe because we live in a culture that isn't valuing the same things or maybe for whatever series of reasons or circumstances, not feeling to do that and not allowed and not able to do that and, and, and chase after those things, What? What can you do while you're waiting, right, if that is you? And if you say, man, I do think marriage and dating is a desire I have on my heart. I think it's from the Lord. I do desire that. What can I do while waiting for that? Because I'm not even in this dating evaluation game and and struggling to get in that. What can you do while waiting? Everything, everything, everything that is available to those who are in Christ is ours. ours. And I feel like I'm just gonna keep talking about this because, I, and it's easy for a 35-year-old married guy to say that, and it's easy for you to say, well, pff, that's easy coming from you, and I get it. But man, my hope is if I keep saying it, the Holy Spirit will keep whispering in your ear, you are loved. You are loved by the God of the universe. And for those who are still waiting and those who are still struggling and those who are still healing from, from bad, doing this poorly, That you hear from the God of the universe, say yes, and you are still loved, and I am still here, and I still desire to satisfy you enough. And the last thing I want to say is to to this person. To the person in this room who says, Yeah, I'm not just waiting, Uh, I blew it. Right? I blew it. I had my chance, I blew it. Or um, when you talk about godly character, I'm going to skip that week because I know what I've done, I know the track record. Uh, I know the mistakes I've made and the kind of godly man who would want to marry me, I've disqualified myself for. If that is any part of your story, if that is in any place a lie that you believe tonight, brother or sister in this room, if you believe that lie that you say, man, okay, I'm too far gone for that kind of godly man, um but I'm gonna, I'm gonna hedge my bet and I'm gonna settle in some ways or I can find the way or... Do not settle. To, to Everyone in this room who I love or listening, don't settle because we're believing that God is better. God is better and these things won't fulfill us anyway. And so whether that is you feel like settling because you're tired of waiting for someone else to make the move or you're tired because you can't find it and so if you lower the fences and lower your standards or you settle because you think, well, I'm just not good enough. I've already blown it. That is a lie. That is a lie. That is not the gospel. That is not who you are. And with the Holy Spirit tonight, if he hasn't already, heal that. Begin to heal that. Take another step in the process of healing a lie that you are not good enough or that you have ever ruined yourself. I love to tell this story, uh, and I'm going to end on this story. I tell it all the time. Uh, It's Hosea, right? It's the story of Hosea. And Hosea is amazing. It's this this prophet in the Old Testament and he is asked to marry a prostitute. He is asked by the God of the universe as his prophetic job in the Old Testament, he says, your role is going to be to marry this prostitute named Gomer and you're going to marry her and you are going to love her the way that I love Israel. And then we see Hosea marry a woman who cheats on him constantly. Constantly. He has children, and he, even the, the Hebrew names of these children reveal that they are not really even his biological children. And so here is Hosea, a godly man, a godly man representing, nonetheless, our father, our God, who is in a relationship with a woman who is constantly going and giving herself to other people, and, and to the point where he is a laughingstock, and to the point where he continues to go and get her and love her and bring her back into their home that he's made and continues to go and love her and love her and love her and eventually she goes and this time she goes far and she she goes back into the house of prostitution and she goes completely back into that lifestyle and completely sells herself back into that lifestyle to the point where she is no longer good for sex, to the point where she has sold herself to that lifestyle so much that she is no longer worth anything to men sexually. And she can't even sell herself physically. And so she gets brought onto the slave block to be sold as a servant in someone's home. And who shows up at the auction for this prostitute of a woman? Hosea shows up. And Hosea says, I will give everything I have. And he pays for her and he doesn't have enough silver. And so he gives everything he has and says, that's is mine, and I love her, and she has not gone too far. <clears throat> man, if in this evaluation process, you ever feel like, man, I, I have gone too far. I've got to lower my standards, or I've already messed up in this relationship. I've already messed up and devalued myself and said, okay, the, the godly way that I know I'm supposed to interact, the godly way that I have in the past, well... That ship's already sailed. That's a lie, and the enemy would love to keep you there. Man, the God of the universe looks at you and says, you are mine. You are mine, and I love you, and I will purchase you at the cost of my perfect son hanging on a cross because I love you, and I will make you new, and I will make you white as snow, and that is what our God offers, and that is the way our God sees you. You. So hear that and respond to that and say, okay, my value is set by this God and that changes how I see myself and it changes how I see other people and the standard in which I'm gonna chase after God in relationships. Man, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for loving us the way you do, God. You are so good and you are so gracious and kind and um, Lord, I just pray... uh, than in the mess of all this, honestly, in the, in the mess of this whole conversation, the relationships and this and that, and evaluating and chemistry and character and all, all of this, God, would you would you just be so sweet to us tonight, Lord? You know what we where we are. God, there are three hundred some odd people in this room who have different stories and different places and different baggage and seeing it from different angles. So, Father, as we go back into worship, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to just continue to reveal to us who we are and then also who each other is, that we might see through your lens, that we would see, if we are a man in this room, that we would see women as our sisters in Christ and the value that they hold, Um, that we would speak into their lives in those ways. If we are a woman in this room, that we would see men as brothers in Christ, and the value that they hold because of you. God, would you do the work that only you can do in our lives and in our hearts? Um, would you teach us? Would you show us? Would you give us wisdom and discernment as we navigate all of, all of this stuff? Um, but most of all, would you just give us more of you? That's what we want, Lord. In the chaos of all of this, Lord, we really do desire that we would stop and we would be still and that we really would be able to let go and rest in who you are. We know we need that. So much of this we nod our head to. Change and transform our hearts to believe this more. Give us the faith to be able to rest in you. Do this work that only you can. In the name of Jesus, amen. Man, we hope tonight was a blessing for you. Uh, We realize that relationships are hard. Uh, We've all got so many different angles and so much of our own personal story and baggage connected. And so as a church and as a ministry, we really want to be able to minister to you. So we really would encourage you to keep dialoguing with us. Send send us emails at renovatefw.org or or text that number that we talked about. Um, We'd love to hear from you, walk with you, and we'd love to get you a cup of coffee too if you're in the area. So reach out to us and let us know how we can love you well. God bless. See you next week.